0: This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. Radio!
1: For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup.
0: Talking Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Ken Laird from the Craig Hill Morning Show. God, what a bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. Pete Blackburn from CBS Sports. What are you guys doing?
3: Putting on the foil. Every game. Yeah,
0: you want some? No. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Everything going to be all right? <laughs> Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market. Give me a none of that stinking red beer. The official supermarket of the Boston Bruins. And by Red River Technology. Brought your cars with you, huh? Yeah, we're out on the road. We're all set to go. Lace them up for some bees talk right now.
1: Eat we got a lot of losses. Yeah, we got a lot of, oh,
0: of losses. Sunday skate, I'll give it a big B+. plus On Sports Radio WEEI.
4: Well, Ken Laird is doing his Tuca Rask tribute. Calling out at the last minute. Game 82. He had some
2: bad buffalo wings.
4: Bad buffalo wings. I'm not going um, to not gonna describe what might be going on at Ken Laird's house right now, but he is not here. This is Matt Kalman of WEI.com. I'm here with Pete Blackburn of CBS Sports. And uh, Evander Kane had some words last night that uh, I think actually some Bruins fans who were tweeting all week after the Zidane Chara $5,000 fine would probably take to heart. But uh, first, I want to just, you know, again, if you haven't listened to the Skate Podcast with Sophia Yurtzkovic yet, you should do that. It was a great episode. I want to thank Sophia again. She actually came in studio, Pete. Wow. She was try- trying trying in for your role or for Dale's role. We're not sure what she was trying to do there, whose job she was trying to take. But she was great. And, uh, of course, you should always subscribe to the Skate Podcast. To get it every week. And this way you don't miss it. We've had some great guests, including you, Pete. You were a guest Brian Lawton, Colby Cohen, whoever we've had, you know there's there's a lot of hockey talk going on here that doesn't involve Dell Arnold or Andrew Raycroft, so <laughs> there's a lot and uh so let's just get right into this Van de Kaine thing. This is Sunday skate, and I think this is the this is just the first sentence, and it just sums up what everyone was thinking this week. The fact that the NHL Department of Player Safety, headed by George Parros, continue to pick and choose who and what they suspend is ridiculous. Exclamation point from Evander Kane, and I'm sure this is probably what's been going through your mind a lot. Yeah, I mean,
2: I think it's going through everybody's mind at this point. It's, you know, it's been a joke for, for a couple of years to the point where the, the NHL spin the wheel of player safety is is like a thing that is generally accepted across the league is that, well, we got we got somebody who's got a phone hearing. We got somebody who's got a hearing after a controversial hit. Let's spin the wheel and
4: see where it lands. Now, do you think, well, let's get this out of the way first, because there's been a lot of reference to just George Parros, right? Do you think because the fact that George Paros, former NHL tough guy, who also went to Princeton, by the way, so there's like that double prong thing that he's, so that's, this is why Ken Campbell of the Hockey News is calling him the violent gentleman, which I think is actually the super cool nickname that I think George Paros probably, do you think he, the fact that he was a tough guy has any impact on the randomness of what's going on? No,
2: I think. I mean, it, no matter what he was in his career or whatever, I, I I think that he's trying to do the job as best he can. But you know, it depends who you ask, because there are some people out there who say that he's he's trying to he like leans too hard on the on the tough guys to show that like hey yeah I, I I'm being unbiased right. here. I'm not trying to you know put my uh, my own personal. Bias on it, but then there are other people who say, "Well, he's he's a goon. He's always going to be a goon. And he lets stuff like <laughs> stuff go away. He doesn't punish it hard enough." I just think that it's so arbitrary in, in how it gets suspended, and, right. and that's sort of the big yeah. issue.
4: I think I think anyone who's blaming George Parros for who he is or what he is forgets what it was like under Colin Campbell or, right. or under any, any of these guys, and especially. When you, when you when you look at Brendan Shanahan, it wasn't that great. I mean, yeah, they instituted these videos, and so all the Canadian media people loved it because they had these videos explaining what happened in the suspensions. But the suspensions were still inconsistent. But they, these people were being fooled by, you know, lights and mirrors by the fact that he was putting out these videos and the fact that he's Brendan Shanahan who, you know, even as the president of the Maple Leafs is Teflon, hardly ever gets any criticism. But... Uh The fact is that we never know what is a suspendable play. How often, I never understand this, I don't know what your take is on this, but I never understand why we wait to find out how injured a guy is before we enforce it. It never makes any sense to me. If the guy crossed the line, he crossed the line.
2: Right, I do think that if a guy ends up injured, like seriously injured, it should weigh into the suspension, but I also think that you, you probably shouldn't wait and you probably shouldn't say... Well, he, he's not injured, so this wasn't a Well, that's just it. I mean, depending
4: play. on the time of year, depending on the type of player he is, I'm not even saying if you're a tough player you're going to try to fight through. But let's say you're a Jeremy Lazon or someone, a third-pair defenseman or a bottom-six forward, there's more likelihood you're going to play through your injury and come back so you don't lose your job. So why should that impact the suspension or any punishment for someone else? Yeah, I mean...
2: I don't know how popular this take is going to be, but I thought Char should have been suspended for the the cross-check to Gallagher. Uh, And, you know, you disagree with that? This this is where
4: I'm going with this now. This is how most people evolve. And, like, you see these people on Twitter. They want peace and happiness, and they want everyone on the ice to hold hands and stuff. This is what I think now of suspensions. Suspensions should be so rare. They do not enforce the rules. They do not make people learn their lesson. You can't be more careful in a hockey game. Hockey they, they, hockey is being played at the fastest pace it's ever played. Sure. Gary Bettman drools over this stuff constantly. We have the greatest product. There are so many last-second, quick-second decisions that have to be made. Unless you are out there with, with the obvious intent to injure, say a Matt Cook headhunting someone, or someone, something like that, where you know the guy is going after someone and injures them, or or if it's not really a hockey play, that's or, exactly. Or if it's Zach Cassian kicking someone in the chest, um, I don't even necessarily I don't think Zdeno Chara
2: cross checking,
4: but here's uh, the thing: Brendan
2: Gallagher in the throat is classified here's as a the thing. hockey play.
4: The, the actual scrum, the actual engagement of Gallagher and Chara on in that in that incident where they're waiting for a faceoff to happen. Even though it's not between the whistles, it's something that happens in hockey, sure. and it's something you want to encourage. So, if but if, how often if, does
2: it escalate into a check to the throat?
4: If <laughs> well, it does every once in a while. It will because it's going to happen. Well, if, it should be when you're when, when you're it a happens. kid. When you're a kid and you're horsing around, right? What does your mom say? Someone's going to get hurt, right? So, if it keeps going, someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get a cross check to the to the throat and a five thousand dollar fine. is fine. Now, maybe going forward to the CBA, they should increase the fines just to hurt them in the pocketbook a little more, but you don't want to discourage them from doing that. That is what...
2: checking in the throat? I disagree.
4: It's not... He's not targeting the throat. He's he's engaging with a little pest who's getting up his rear end there and wants to send the message. Now, does he miss hitting him in the chest and hits him in the throat? That's one thing, and that's where the fine comes in. But what does a suspension really do, except deprive people of seeing the best players play... And it doesn't discourage them from doing anything. Well, we're talking about consistency,
2: and based on what I've seen from the league, there have been plays similar to the one that Chara had, and guys have gotten suspended. So that's why I think so why the Chara should have gotten suspended. So why do you suspended. think
4: Chara didn't get suspended? I mean,
2: if I mean, you ask well, anybody around the league. It's
4: because it's the Bruins. I know, but I don't ask, know, ask I don't anyone on my how, Twitter feed, and the Bruins get the wrong. I, right, 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 I don't, <laughs> <right> don't understand <laughs> how
2: that ever really <laughs> became a thing. Is that like the, there's some league-wide conspiracy to let the Bruins get away with everything? <laughs>
4: Did so watch the Stanley so, Cup final last year? So how many games did you have given Char considering one One game? One game, one or two games. Now is he no longer a repeat offender from the? I don't think so. Okay, so that's probably why. So one game for that. Now but
2: that brings up the question is you can't have a you can't have a one game suspension for head contact and you have a one game suspension for checking a guy in the throat.
4: I think these guys are grown-ups and they they they, te- they tend to, to to iron these things out themselves. I, sure. I, you know, I think this to kind of, fight? But <laughs> I, no, but I think well that's well, that goes back to the whole pick on somebody your own size. I mean, he's constantly nipping at Chara's ankles there. It's sooner or later someone's going to pound him. Although I I would love to see you know how sometimes if a lighter guy is getting picked on by a big guy, he'll go, you know, a char or someone step in. I think in that instance, that's where Tori Kruger, Brad Marshall should step in and come up to Char's defense.
2: Pick on somebody your own size. Exactly.
4: I mean, so that, do you that, think that, that Evander was pretty Kane.
2: obvious. What do you think about the Evander Kane suspension?
4: Well, here's the thing about Evander Kane. He's probably the worst spokesperson for anything. That's exactly
2: what. That's exactly my take. It's like I I understand if somebody else wants to come out and say this, but Evander Kane's been suspended three times this year. I remember
4: what he did to Chara. He grabbed him from behind. Right. Didn't get any suspension for that. I thought that was cowardly. The way he, you know, I I'm not blaming anyone for not fighting Zdeno Chara, but why are you grabbing him from behind? Right. I mean, that's the that you can get. And in. And
2: I mean, the the hit on uh, Neil Pionk, which is what he got suspended for. It was yeah. a, It
4: was a bad hit. He, right. he chicken winged and brought the elbow up. Hit him. It was it
2: was a terrible hit.
4: Yeah, I mean this is he's probably the worst spokesperson because of all that, because of all the other things he's done. And the league is not going to take him seriously. They're going to fine him. Maybe they might even suspend him, I mean, considering his his track record here. But you would hope now other players might come out and say some things like this because that's the problem here is they don't really speak out unless it infects their team. They don't if their if it's if their player is the victim of one of these hits, it's oh, we got to get those hits out of the game. If their teammate is one of the guys doing the hit? Oh, you know, I, have, I, I didn't see the play. I haven't had to review it. They don't say it. Well, Andrew yeah, Ferentz, remember, 100 years ago, Andrew Ferentz decided to criticize Dan Pye's hit, and uh, everyone wanted to extra, you know, excommunicate him from the hockey community because, he got God forbid, he defends someone on the other team who's getting injured.
2: Well, look at Zach Cassian. I mean, it was a month ago that he was talking about the code and how <laughs> Matthew Kachuk doesn't follow the code. Well, the and- co- well, the last code, week he kicks a guy in the
1: chest oh, the, with his hockey the, the stick.
4: The code includes, you know, like, trying to see if hockey blade will cut a <laughs> hockey jersey in the chest. You know, that's a, that's the that's way it, it works. I mean, what? I don't. That just has to go shows you what this guy. You, know, you talk about like maybe brain injuries and stuff. I mean, what is that, Cassian? Thinking in that moment, I mean, of all the millions of things you could do there. Why would you ever in- decide that you're going to use your skate to kick well, someone?
2: It, he, that's he did say after the fact that he was like, uh, it was he, it was like something that he didn't really even think about in the moment, and it kind of just happened, and it was like. Well, I think that's kind of worse. It, it, where it's that's your natural instinct is to kick a guy in the chest <laughs> with your skate on. It's probably exactly. not great.
4: And this is a guy who has this reputation, also. Right. And now, no one, and, and now go back, going Around back the to the league. His, he's th- not very well liked. <laughs> going back to the code, though, I didn't blame him for what he did to, to Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, oh, I that think guy deserve the way ca- the way he carried it out was probably a little <laughs> yes.
2: over the line. But I, I mean, I don't I don't have a problem with him. I think going he sent his
4: message. Champion. I mean, they, obviously they fought in the next game. Or right. Was, right? And so that's probably done now. So at least he, he got his message across.
2: Yeah, I, I love, though, that after the, he served his suspension, he, he literally said, I need to be smarter. I need to play in these big games for my team. And now he's now he's gone for seven games.
4: Yeah, Exactly. So this is Sunday Skate, even though you don't hear the melodious tones of of Ken Laird. This is Matt Kalman. I'm with Pete Blackburn. We're talking about the Department of Player Safety and its dartboard justice. Uh, we'll talk a little bit, I'm sure, later about the trade deadline. I think I want to definitely ask you about, we talked a little bit last week about this whole whether they have to trade David Krejci or whether they should trade David Krejci after the season to keep Torrey Krug. I think that was a pretty good uh, debate. Ken Laird put the... Um, poll up on Twitter and we we discussed that on the skate pod. I definitely want to get your take on that and we'll talk some more about the trade deadline. I if you want to call in, it's 779 nine seven ninety three seven. We actually do have a call here about uh Chara and Cassian and uh Scott from Weymouth. Uh what do you what do you want to say about that?
1: All right. I was gonna I hope I was gonna be after the commercial so I'd have more time, but I guess I'll take what I can yeah, yeah, go ahead.
4: We're talking this now. Let's do it.
1: All right, here's the real. Now, this is from probably your biggest hockey fan you talk to, most of fakers. Here's the real. Chara should have been suspended 10 games for that. Oh, that's a lot Cass- of games. Ca- that's let, a let lot me of say, games. I- well, he also could have paralyzed the guy. <laughs> I love ta- – keep laughing, you fool. Have you ever played the game? You probably haven't. Probably haven't. Maybe. You watch it in your living room with your popcorn and your Bud Light. Probably a Michelob Ultra. Kaskin on Edmonton. Should have got twenty five games. Wow. He have you ever heard of Clint Malachuk? Do you remember that he episode sure in Buffalo? Yeah. Do you? Yes. He bled out almost. Right. Kaskinen should be literally borderline thrown out of the league. You're going to take your skate, which is basically a razor blade, and swing it at a guy. What if what if, what if that skate slipped off his jersey and cut him in the jugular? We'll be talking about is he charged with murder, second murder? Thank you.
4: Wow. All right. Scott's fired up. Someone this morning, just got huh? in from last night. Yeah, he, he brought up Mick Ultra, and I think uh, he was drinking some more than that. Oh boy! Uh, anyway, well, yeah, it, oddly enough, games oddly enough, one. we agree with him a little bit because we think Cassian should be suspended. You tend to think that Chara should have been suspended. But I clearly... think that Cassian should have got double digits,
2: not twenty five, but I think he should have got like yeah. ten. It's a super dangerous play, and there
4: is no excuse for it. Chara,
2: on the other hand, maybe a game or two. Let's let's relax.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think. Th- the Cassian thing and the Chara thing—I like to separate them. Like I said, not just because it's Chara, because I don't think—I also don't think. Well, the law. When you go back to Jeremy Lawson and his hit, again, I I I tend not to want to suspend guys for these plays because it doesn't necessarily discourage you. He's still going to finish his check the next time. He's still going to go for that hit. Now, we know how quick it is to. Even though I haven't played the game and I sit and watch in my living room with my Mick Ultra. I do understand that it's a quick game. You know, go back. This is a discussion I had this week with Matt Grizzlick over the uh, Elias Patterson nonsense because he got hit a little late and his his coach decided to whine for him. And Matt Grizzlick is five nine, you know, one hundred eighty, whatever they lie about and say he weighs to make him seem bigger. You are out there. You are. You have to to play in this league to survive in this league. You have to finish your checks. Now, did he? he he admittedly checked patterson late right and patterson for whatever reason wasn't ready and I, I don't necessarily understand this part of i wasn't ready to be hit because you're on the ice in a national hockey league game at the 45 second shift brace yourself for anything could happen you know never mind if grizzlick is going to hit him intentionally collisions happen you should probably be you know tensed up and ready to play the game but
2: sure yeah. but i think that also if you are you're, you're admitting the fact that he hit him late right. there is a uh... Uh, you know, a, a sense that like a guy shouldn't be expecting to get hit late.
4: Okay, so that's okay. That's that's maybe a, the the point, but I, I still think there should be some preparation. There should be some awareness of who's around you. But when you when it comes down to so now, in the in the Canucks' eye should Grizzly be suspended? Pedersen got a little hurt. He didn't play the next. He played the rest of that game, but didn't play the next game. I mean, what's what's the level of violence that you are willing to accept? Now, keeping in mind that if Grizzly doesn't finish that chick, maybe he's less likely to finish other checks when the puck is moving quickly, especially if a player like Elias Patterson gets the puck gets rid of the puck quickly, makes dazzling plays. You know, we see it with Brad Martian. He takes a lot of hits.
2: Yeah, I do think that there's also like a, a there should be a league wide onus to protect star players. I, I know yeah. that some people will argue against that, but I do believe that that those star players should have more of a, like, bubble around so them. So how
4: are we going to decide the stars? Wait, are we just going, like, who all-stars? Patterson's All-Star for sure selections? star. It's
2: not even, a, not even a question. He's one of the most exciting young players in the league. Uh, I, I just think that if you are the league, you have a responsibility Is per, to Is Tom Wilson a star product. in this
4: league? No, especially with the way that he plays. But Tom uh, Wilson puts up, what, 50, 60 points,
2: right? yeah, I wouldn't call him a star. I think there are plenty of players to put it. I think if we're going to let the league
4: start deciding who's the stars are, we're in trouble because they will have no we'll have no we'll have no physicality in the game anymore because they're going to sort of protect like the top five skilled players on every team. I don't know.
2: I mean, you you saw a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you saw but Pedersen was being targeted at all game. and we've seen it plenty of times in the past. Johnny Gudreau is a small guy who, who Isn't always, that what
4: makes the game great.
2: No, because Is if you injure one of those targeting? guys and you take them out, you're taking them out for uh, however many games. And no, you're, no one's you're trying to hurting them. The They're trying
4: to shut them down. That's the way you play the game. It's just, you know, the same thing happens in basketball. Basketball's not known sure, for this county, but the same thing happens. And there's a line. Well, of course there's a line. So, I mean, were you saying that were they headed shots? Or what, what were they doing to Peterson that was so terrible?
2: You're getting cross-checked behind the play, like taking it in the ribs. Like, you crack a guy's rib and, and take him out for the next couple of weeks uh behind the play I think that's that's
4: bad you got to protect those guys keep them on the ice well I think the bottom line is they need to figure out how they're going to dole out suspensions what the lines are I mean they show videos to these players every year telling them what they can and can't do but it seems like they still can't figure it out and well, you know, it's the, wa- the
2: officials that can't figure it out because the the line gets moved every single game, <laughs> right. depending on the officiating. When well, you crew. say like
4: you're talking about cross-checks to the ribs and whatever, I mean, we see that every game too, whether it's a star or not, we see cross-checks to the ribs, we see slashes behind the play. I mean, the nonsense that goes on, maybe they have to decide if they're gonna enforce it, enforce it. If they're not, if they're gonna let it go, then just let it go all the time. I think right. you're right. I think that's the thing, the consistency. And now is it is it a, a third party? that comes in and, and rules on these things? I think that might have been part of Evander Kane's statement that he made a suggestion. Is it is it uh, someone who didn't play maybe that can w- watch and decide what they think is cringeworthy? Should we let NBC just like do it on a reality show and, and do out give out the suspensions? Because you know the, that the league would love to do something like that.
1: And I was the only guy to ever take off the skate it. and try to stab somebody. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, just make it. Uh, just is that make Zach it. Uh, do it, the, Kaskinen. <laughs> Kaskinen. Kaskinen. No, I just make it the uh, the way that the XFL now does uh, the replay reviews. You have a live camera in the video booth, and you hear all the decisions and the entire decision making process. They should do that.
4: They should be should transparent. I mean, they, everyone was so excited when that's, Brendan Shannon started doing this video. Why is everything so secretive?
2: Well, that's the NHL's mo. They're they're not transparent about anything. There's no accountability. I, I
4: think it's hilarious. I mean, this is such a minor thing, and people listening aren't going to care, but. When someone goes on waivers, it gets leaked to Elliot Friedman or Chris Johnson or some insider and they and they tweet it. Why can't they let all the reporters know who's on waivers? I don't know why this is like golden property. So it's it's the same type of thing. When these suspensions are going down, you know, some insider tweets out, oh, the hearing is through. Oh, I'm hearing it's gonna be this much. It's like, why can't they just like you're saying be transparent about the process be transparent about when it's taking place how long it takes and and what your th- think thought process is yeah
2: i i don't know i
4: <laughs> i think that there's
2: inconsistency
4: on the ice at the official level,
2: uh, that needs to be figured out and, first and foremost. And we didn't even
4: bring up Claude Julian. He had uh, some great. He said they were playing against two teams last year. Two bad night. teams. So. Playing
2: against two bad teams. That's a great line. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that first and foremost, you need to figure out the officiating because the officiating has been absolute crap for the past couple of years. Especially, I mean, in the playoffs last year, it was a disaster. Right. So you need to figure it out at the on ice level first. But can we at least agree then, that it's not video what, review, safety.
4: right? We don't want more video no, review. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, Less what that, video that's what, Well, that's what that whole Vegas situation brought us, right? More video review, and you, it's just like, you, you, well, they they've
2: proven that they can't get it right with the even with the video review, so right. might as well just strip that away. Don't right. slow down the game, don't bog down the game, right. and don't make it a frame by frame analysis of plays that don't need it.
4: Yeah, well, that reminds me of the Terry Panarin goal, and I want to talk about that one later because I am still fuming about that. The shootout is such an abomination, and yet they're going to make it worse by letting goals like that. But I think maybe we should take Maria. Yeah, we'll take Maria here because she wants to change the subject and talk trade deadline. I know know Maria usually wants to rip on the officials and the league, but I think now we're going to talk some trade deadline. Hey, Maria, how's it going? Good morning.
3: Good morning. I'm not going to disappoint you on the initial subject matter because I am going to rip the league and the (laughs) officials because, no, I mean... As, as a fan, okay, yeah. as a fan, a longtime fan, and I'm not alone in this. You guys are doing this for a job, okay? The lack of consistency is a serious, serious problem in this league. And Pete is absolutely right. The officiating has been unmitigated garbage for the last couple of years. And if I'm the players going into the next CBA, here is what I'm going to the table with, okay? I am saying, You guys need to figure out your officiating and figure out how you're going to let us play and what a penalty is and what a penalty isn't, what a suspension is and what a suspension isn't, and you're going to figure out the Olympics or we're not coming to the table because that was another issue this week where the NHL executives talked out of both sides of their mouths. Okay, First, they wanted the IOC to give them concessions. Okay, we're finally getting to the point where the IOC is providing concessions. Now, I understand it's not in writing, but then you have the talking head saying, well, wait a minute. We're not quite sure yet. Now, if I'm I'm part of the NHL Players Association, I'm saying, you know what? I'm sick of this crap. I'm sick of this crap. You're going to negotiate with us in good faith and we're going to get some of what we want. It's unfortunate that their Players Association isn't as strong as the MLB Players Association. And I have a funny feeling that there's going to be another lockout um, for some period of time. But, you know, Evander Kane didn't say anything that was incorrect. It was because Evander Kane said it. Right. But he didn't say anything that none of us should have ghostwritten his statement and given it to somebody
4: else. (laughs) He should have had Joe Thornton read it. No one's going to criticize Joe Thornton.
3: Anybody else, (laughs) right. Anybody else. It's unfortunate. And it's unfortunate that some of his, you know, colleagues didn't endorse what he said, because I think it would be um, taken more seriously. Right. But somebody needs to take it seriously, because I think it is a problem. You can't cherry pick what you're going to suspend. And what night you're going to suspend something. You can't cherry pick one night something's going to be, you know, a cross-checking penalty and another night is not going to be a cross-checking penalty. Yet they call all this BS ticky-tack slashing stuff. Or you grab a guy's jersey as he's flying by you and that's a hold. Give me a break. This is the NHL, okay? It's the NHL. And that makes you look, you know, foolish as officials. The same thing with the embellishment stuff. Call the embellishment you guys are being made to look like chumps when you don't call. The embellishment when you got, no guys are doing that. All right, that's enough on my rant. <laughs> on the trade deadline, okay? Um, Charlie Coyle is certainly making a case to give Don Sweeney full and thorough consideration for potentially moving on from David Krejci at the end of the season. I'm not sure that's something you can do right now, but honestly, I don't know what is fueled this kid's fire but since the um, break, he yep. has been playing tremendously. Sure he, he doesn't give up on pucks, his, his energy. And I think, you know, that kid set the tone for the game yesterday. It was one of those games where he said, look, we're not losing to this inferior team again. Follow me, guys. Watch what I do. And I think it was infectious. Um, and so, you know, I like David Krejci. But if there's an opportunity that presents itself, I think um, Sweeney needs to consider it. Now, having said that, with the trade deadline, if you're considering moving on because, you know, a GM is always going to think about the future, then I think it's even more important to potentially go out in this season. If you're going to consider moving on from a guy like David Krejci or someone else on the roster because you need to sign Tory Crew, then I really do think you need to put most of your chips on the table to make another run and take a kick at the can for this core group if they're not going to be together in the upcoming future. Um, that's all I have today, guys. Thanks for the time, as always.
1: Yeah,
4: I mean, I, I've, been equally, I've been equally impressed by Charlie Coyle lately. I yeah. think maybe I'm getting a little carried away. People on Twitter think I'm nuts. No, I think uh, I think that's everything there
2: was totally on point. And I think Charlie Coyle has been impressive this entire season, even when the results haven't been there, because he's a guy who brings it every single night. The energy is always there. The effort's always there. You never see you never look at Charlie Coyle and say, well, he's he's invisible. Very rarely is he invisible because he makes an impact whether he's on the score sheet or not. And that's one of the things that I really like about him. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things that was really frustrating for a lot of people in Minnesota was that they felt like he he took games off and he was very inconsistent. And maybe his
4: production, you can say, is a little inconsistent, maybe here, uh, but the effort sure isn't. Exactly. And uh, so this is Sunday Skate, and we'll talk more about Charlie Cole, the trade deadline. We'll, I'm going to get into that Arturma Panera and shootout goal because it fires me up. You're listening to Sunday
0: Skate with Ken Laird from the Greg Hill Morning Show, Pete Blackburn from CBS Sports, and Weei.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market, the official supermarket of the Boston Bruins, and by Red River Technology. Geronik gets hide and stick, up in the face, no call. Nobody saw it. McElroy scores! Oh, down low with the tip. Well, the effort of the coil
1: line pays off again. Peronik is not happy. That is future
4: Bruins number two center Charlie Coil scoring yesterday. That's my uh, prediction. That's my gut feeling right now. This is Sunday skate. I'm Matt Cowman. That's brag. W-a. That was com. my
2: gut feeling before the season. I said it <laughs> on the skate pod. It's a nice <laughs> opportunity to. Drop that plug.
4: That poster is Pete Blackburn of CBS Sports. We are Ken Laird list this morning. Ken's on assignment today. I think uh, he's he's shopping for porcelain somewhere and uh, wherever he lives these days. And uh, so this is Sunday skate. We are talking about the trade deadline, the Bruins, Charlie Coyle's emergence. This is the thing about Charlie Coyle is that I I, I you know I give you credit for saying that on the skate pod skate podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast. But um, I always had questions about Charlie Cole because, first of all, I don't know what the Bruins wanted from him. I mean, we saw, we've saw we seen him this year play some right wing and whether they thought that that might be the position for him. I mean, it's kind of odd for a guy who doesn't like to shoot to play the wing, but maybe if you're playing with a guy like David Krejci, you do it. And also, I mean, did he have it in him? We saw in the playoffs the flashes of, of what he could be, but did he have it to do it consistently? And I think that's the thing right now. I mean, like Maria was saying, and that was a great call from Maria, that he's doing it on a, on a night-to-night basis. And even when he's not producing, he's playing hard out there. You never go out there. You never look and say, oh, this guy's not not out there. And, you know, I talked to people in Minnesota, some of the broadcasters out there when uh, the Bruins got him. It's like, what was holding this guy back out there? And, you know, not surprisingly, considering the Wild were the team that fired their GM after one year because he didn't know what he was doing, and now they fired their coach when they're on a 6-3-1, 6-3-1, <laughs> that – he wasn't he being—he like uti-
2: does know what he's doing. him. <laughs> right, right?
4: Exactly. So he—he he wasn't being utilized properly. He wasn't getting power play time. He wasn't getting PK time. They—they were, they were also moving him center wing back and forth. There, it seems like there was a lot of a deferential culture there to the the Stalls and the Koivus and the Parises and Coyle was part of this secondary group that wasn't getting you know the the, the leeway. it wasn't a Earn your job, and if you produce, you'll keep playing. Type of atmosphere like you have here with the Bruins. It was more like no matter what, you're always going to be behind Coyview and the and the pecking order that type of thing. So he's come here, and you know, first of all, let's give credit for these guys, all these guys from home from here who are come home here and play so well. I think this was going to be a disaster when it, when they started doing this because we've seen so many guys flop when they come home. Oh, this guy's going to play home; he's going to play great, and they can never handle it. It's amazing that these guys guys can do it. But the fact that he has played. Up beyond expectations in my mind. I mean, third line center. This guy, I think, is a second line center, and so that kind of leads us into this conversation. Are you considering trading Krejci to keep Krug? Not in season. Not, not in season right. For not sure. right sure. But
2: I mean, yeah, I think that you still have to keep that on the table, especially if you if you're going to look at the the sustained success of this team. Uh, I believe that if you you keep Tory Krug around rather than you know, if it if it doesn't cost you David Krejci for one more year, then I think that's that's a trade off you're willing to make, especially if you can get something back in return for David Krejci. Uh, I just think it's the best long term play for this team.
4: So th- let's just start from here, because obviously Ken and I have beat this topic to death on the skate pod. Um, but you want to keep Krug at any cost, even if you can, in, not at any cost. Okay, not so wh- cost. What's what's your thinking on keeping Tori Krug? In terms of a of a number, putting yeah, a number on it. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, do you care I, if he go, would you go seven years
2: with him? Depending on the number, okay. depending on the number, what the AAV is. If so you, lower AAV, longer down, term, yeah, shorter
4: if, term, lo- higher. so right. what, And what's your max AAV?
2: I'd have trouble going too far over like seven. Seven. seven.
4: Okay. I would say so. if it's short term, like you're saying, I would say I would go eight. For AAV? Except for the fact that, obviously, that you, if you put that into the cap friendly and you look at the other players on this team, he would be the highest-paid player on the Bruins. Right, and then what are you going to have to pay Charlie McAvoy you.
2: down the line? Well, that's just
4: it. It doesn't really trickle down that way. It doesn't necessarily always. Oh, guys have different situations. But, yeah, absolutely, all the players would look at that and say, that's crazy. And that where it comes in. Seven is probably the magic number, right? right? That's probably what the Bruins... That might not be where they're negotiating from now, but in their in their back of their minds, they're probably thinking that's where they want it to come in. So this way, it's, like you're saying, get a starting point for sets Carlo the table and McEvoy for the other guys, and, and we, also doesn't offend. We've
2: seen and we've seen how that's affected other guys like Marshan when you know he came time to, for him to negotiate right. his deal. Pasternak when it came time for him to negotiate his deal. Yes, if you get the first guy to set the table a little bit lower, right. for the others. I can help you so exactly. much and, and, and down the line. And, and we've seen that happened. Don Sweeney is right. really good at being able to get those guys to come down right. and to buy in. And if you can get Torrey Krug to do that, I think that sets the table for the other young defensemen. Yeah, and
4: it's funny, too. Tori Krug's wife and daughter were down at the glass yesterday. They do this a lot. They're down at the glass. They're waving to daddy. They're taking pictures. She's wearing her Bruins jersey. And, and it's so it's so weird to think, oh, in five months you're going to trade those in for Detroit? gear what the heck you know you always you know when guys talk about it, you always I always think of the the person side of this not the player side of think you know this guy's been here his whole career the Bruins gave him his shot out of college uh how much money is so is so important to you that you would uproot your family for that that you would have your family swap in all their gear and I mean seven million is a pretty good amount of money yeah, and I and I'm totally for guys getting as much as they can. I mean yeah, absolutely. I, I I don't I don't like the hometown discounts necessarily. I, I mean, don't if like The owners the fact and, and the the GMs yeah. and,
2: and the coaches can treat it as a business, the players can well, treat it. Well that's just as it. They too, treat but, it as a
4: business and they keep and they keep costs down by convincing all these hockey players to take hometown discounts. You want to be part of the team and all this stuff. But then, you know, I, I'd rather then it keeps the cost down and then players aren't being, you know, compensated the way they should. But within this culture you would think seven million. Would you go seven times seven? Seven times six? Tory Krug. <sighs> My point is on the back end of that. First of all, I don't. I'm so sick of hearing about the back end of contracts because most of these people aren't going to be here. GMs, coaches, they're all gone by the, se- by the second half of this thing. But also, I don't think Tory Krug really deteriorates as much as people think he's going to. Because even if he can't, he, he loses some edge as far as defending. He's always going to be an offensive talent, and he's going to adjust his game to those talents the way you know Chara has had to adjust in older age. We've seen plenty of guys change their game, and at the very worst, the last half of that contract, he's a third pair of power play specialist, and we see how magical he is on a power play. Right.
2: Yeah, and I think when you go back to to, to Charlie Coyle, as soon as he got his deal, like <laughs> I think that it kind of right. set the set the clock ticking a little bit because yep. you don't want you don't want to be paying. Your third line center over five million dollars. Right. So I think there was always
4: going to be. A, 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 well, you might not even want to put your second line center more than that, too. I mean, if you think about it,
2: I think I, I think it's fine uh, with the, the cap going right. up and what but it I'm is But I'm saying now that the that percentage the, of, that of the, what um, that
4: is. the competition has kind of reset itself. You know, when Krej- when Krejci signed his deal, and he makes seven million, and people, have, I mean, how can I not know that number? People yell it in my ear every yeah. every time they want to criticize David Krejci. But at that time, that was the going rate. For the number one center on the team, and you know people have this revisionist history where he's always been the number two center. But the 2011 Bruins, David Krejci is your first line center.
2: And I also think that it hasn't helped David Krejci that those other guys, the Patrice Bergeron, right. the David Pastrnak, the Brad Marchand, right. they ended up coming well, because lower there was,
4: because there was a reason. I mean, listen, there's a two pronged part that there was. There's a culture here where they're doing that, but it's also a two prong. It's also the comp- the competition has kind of reset itself. Where more guys have either taken a hometown discount or just the market's been depressed by the fact that the cap hasn't expanded as much. They've stopped exercising the elevator. Uh, the their revenues haven't necessarily matched what they predicted it would be. I mean, let's face it. In the real in in a world where the things are really counted properly, this the cap should be like a hundred million based on what this league has grown into, and it, it might get close to that in the next CBA once they you know factor in the new TV deal. But whatever, David Krejci took what was coming to him at that time, and no one. No one scoffed at it when it happened because David Krejci looked like a point-per-game player. And, oh, by the way, when he's healthy, he's a 70-point player a year. That's that's pretty damn good for your second line center at $7 million. Now, Fred in New Hampshire wants to talk about Charlie Coyle, so let's, uh, let's get Fred in here. Hey, Fred, good morning.
5: Matt, I mean uh, Tim, Pete.
4: Tim, morning. who's Tim? <laughs> Tim?
5: Matt, I'm Matt and Pete. Anyways, um, morning, guys. Morning. You know, I, I, I watched the game in full equipment. And I don't eat popcorn because with my hockey gloves, I've never been able to put put the popcorn in my mouth. But besides that, I want to talk about CeCe. Charlie, you're going to call me crazy. You're going to say, Fred, you're you're over the top. But this guy reminds me of Cam Neely in his prime. The way he dominates a shift. um, He's out there, and he just takes over the shift. This guy, if he learns to finish better, he could be a Neely, just the way he plays, and uh, he was he was the third leading scorer in the playoffs last year. I mean, he took over games in the playoffs. This he is something that I think, um, if he does learn to finish, he'll and dish. He'll end up being uh, a, a star for the Bruins and a star that um, for years to come. He's only twenty seven. He, he's just getting. He's just starting right now, but I'm I'm impressed with what he does. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is the rivalry of Montreal and Boston. People are saying it's dead. It's not what it used to be. I mean, in this house, it's always a holiday, and it's never going to stop being a holiday because as long as the Boston Bruins play the Montreal Canadiens, there's going to be that hate there, and it's going to last forever. And uh, that's about all I wanted to say, guys.
4: Yeah, that's great. Thanks, thanks the a call. lot, Fred. The, you know, it's the, the, so now while, while, uh, while Fred is comparing Coyle to Cam Neely and talking about all the points he can score and the goals he can score, I'm thinking, oh, no, we're, we're headed to a, a world where instead of complaining that David Krejci doesn't have a good right wing, Charlie Coyle doesn't have a good right wing. in the next version of the Bruins, that's, what's, that's what this is going to turn into. But, you know, we're going to talk more about Charlie Coyle, the trade deadline. You can call in at 617-779-7937 uh, right after this.
1: Who's
0: the dead man That hit me with the salt
4: shaker You're listening to Sunday Skate With Ken
0: Laird from the Greg Hill Morning Show Pete Blackburn from CBS Sports And Weei.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman Sunday Skate is brought to you by Star Market The official supermarket of the Boston Bruins And by Red River
4: Technology This is Sunday Skate And uh, Ken Laird is not here One week before the trade deadline We uh we went. We went all in. We traded Ken Laird and uh, part of David Backus's contract, and I think we have got some donuts here or something in exchange Future for Ken assets. Laird. Future assets. But uh, speaking of the trade deadline and the Bruins, and Maria brought up them being all in this year, and I think people have some still tend to have this idea of what all in means, where you don't just you can't just trade all your draft picks and get. The top three players on the rental market and add them to your team at this point. I think cap friendly has them at like three and a half million dollars under the salary cap at the trade deadline. That means you're you Tyler Tofoli type player. It means you're Charlie Coyle, Marcus Johansson type player. Um, people on Twitter constantly telling me Don Sweeney doesn't go for it, even though last year he made those two trades. The year before he traded a first round pick and Spooner and got Rick Nash. So I don't know why that doesn't count as going as going for it. But you know what do you? What do you think is is all in right now for the Bruins in in at the trade deadline? I, I don't think that they went
2: all in last year, just in terms of like going for the best players on the market. Okay. Um, but obviously, they, they didn't necessarily have to because the guys that they did get worked out for them. Um, so, like, I, I just think that, that going all in is is you you are giving something up to 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 address a need and to address a need with. Good players, right. and uh, the Bruins did that last year. So I guess that you could consider that all in this year. I, I I do think that they also have to go all in. I mean, you have to you have to address the needs that you that you have, and I think that that's obviously secondary scoring, uh, probably a little bit of depth on the back end, right? And then maybe you want to seal up a, a little more depth defensively and add a add another body defensively. So, so that's t- what I to. Tyler Foley,
4: Brendan Dillon.
2: Boom! I would consider that going all-in. Okay. I don't know if those are the guys that That's you what necessarily I would want, um, but I think that that would be considered going all-in.
4: Do you need to give up your first for Toffoli?
2: I would probably assume so, considering okay. the market. So
4: you'll give, you'll give up your first this year? You'll I, do think I think their first year? is
2: probably going to be gone. Okay. Unless you're going to give up two seconds or, or something like that. But like the the the, the rate and the uh, the cost is going to be around there because so many teams need scoring and so many teams are in the
4: hunt. I think people overreact to this all in thing in that you have to realize that this team is really good, right? Right. It's in first place. Really good. And it's flawed to an extent. It's flawed to the extent that they didn't address the right wing, right? Because Johansson left and you didn't replace him. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. Anders Bjork has come on. Nobody's really stepped up. Exactly. And and did we really think anyone was going to step up? Did we really expect Bjork or Heinen or any of these guys, you know, Coleman? to do that no of course not so yes they are in the position again where they have to trade assets to add a guy at the deadline who's going to be a rental i don't think anyone has an expectation that they brought in a the foley that they're going to sign him or even a brendan dylan but that's because they have the depth to replace those guys coming after that right but uh i mean anyone other than the foley that maybe tickles your fancy Kyle Palmieri, say? i've said well uh, he's a, he's not a rental and i think not that, a rental. that's another class
2: right but i also think that that ad, adds value for for a right. guy like it's not a short-term fix Uh, a lower lower cost guy Andre Kosh Kasha and I think that he'd be a he'd be a good uh, a good secondary option I like that his scoring rates if he can stay healthy that's the big issue
4: yeah and what about Joe Thornton I I would
2: love to see Joe Thornton I don't know if it's if it's realistic I don't know if he's gonna wave to come back here but I would love to see Joe Thornton as the fourth line center on the power play and and you know have him be be the the big beard in the locker room.
4: As much as Ken Laird was going orgasmic over the idea of him coming here, I think Joe Thornton won't wave to Probably come not. because he doesn't like that kind of drama. He doesn't like that kind of attention. I think he would bar- would rather not have to do that. He'd rather just whittle out his days in San Jose and go away. I don't know if he wants to win. He can he can wave that that deal, but I don't know if
2: he's going to do it for to come back here.
4: All right, well that's a Sunday skate without Ken Laird. We made it without blowing up the studio. One more show before the trade deadline, you know, so uh, get your uh, knives out to skewer Don Sweeney for not going all in because he has the team that's first in the NHL right now and didn't add a blockbuster player. And uh, make sure you check out the Skate Podcast this week, and uh, we'll be back with you next Sunday.
0: Celebrate the big two o two o with T-Mobile. Switch now and get two lines for just ninety bucks and two new iPhone 11s on us, so you can take a portrait built for two with the ultra wide camera. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, cute. Hurry in to T-Mobile and get two lines for ninety bucks and two iPhone 11s on us with qualifying trade-ins. Via twenty four credits for well qualified buyers with auto pay plus taxes and fees. If you cancel before receiving twenty four credits, you may owe up to the full value of your device of $699.99. Contact us. Qualifying port-ins and finance agreements required.